0: there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you wanna hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate.
1: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of a A Pack-A-Day podcast. It is Sunday, May 12th, and a very happy Mother's Day to everyone and anyone that is listening to this show that is also a mother and a happy, well, yeah, I guess it counts, a happy first Mother's Day to my wife, who we expect in September, so it counts. I got her a Mother's Day card and everything. She will already know that by the time she listens to this version of the show, I am your host this evening, I am Jacob Westendorf, and filling in with me for, again, the foreseeable future is Jason the Herdsman Perrone. Jason, you probably don't get that joke, and that's okay, I will explain it afterwards. For those that watch the league, that is what I'm referring to. Jason, it's better than Greybeard, right? It's
2: amazing, we talk pre-game or (laughs) pre-show for a good half hour, but yet, you don't tip off the nickname that I'm getting in the intro every single week. It's uh, it's never anything short of entertaining. I'm all good. It is it is all good. Uh, just doing a thing here, uh, over here in the Phoenix area. And yes, happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers out there and the listeners. And be good to your mom. She uh, she had you, you know, so you kind of have to, right?
0: Right. The way I like to explain it to my mother is that Mother's Day is not possible without me. So you are welcome and I will take my present whenever it is uh, that you'd like. But that's not what we're here for tonight. Jason, we're going to start. I know it's been touched on a little bit, but I do want to talk about the piece that Tom Silverstein wrote earlier this week about the Packers' leadership structure. It's been a hot button of discussion uh, really since Mark Murphy made the announcement, which was when he hired Brian Gutekunst as the general manager, basically stating that, uh, the, the power structure that they'd had was changed. The general manager was not solely in charge of football. It's the general manager, the head coach, and Russ Ball all report to Mark Murphy, who is the de facto owner in this situation. It was met with skepticism, scorn, all kinds of different stuff because fans that are you know old enough to remember the previous generation where you know Bart Starr was going to the board of directors explaining why he ran on third and four or went for it on this fourth down or didn't go for two or, you know, whatever, explaining decisions like that. And it was a period that was very dark in Packers history, obviously. And then it changed with Bob Harlan, who switched everything and gave full autonomy in the football department to Ron Wolfe. It really is, you know, history from there that tells the entire story. The Packers have been one of the most successful franchises over the last 30 years since that took place. Uh, three Super Bowl appearances two titles the list goes on and on obviously it's it's an interesting story to me just because me personally I understand that there's some fear that goes into it but really the takeaway I got from the story was it was mostly fear-mongering a lot of things in there that I don't think there was a whole lot of new information in there I guess I should say Um, I think that my you know, my general take on the leadership structure is that I will worry about it when I have reason to worry about it. And over the last year that this has been in place, outside of the Packers going 6-9-1 during the one season that it was in place, I don't have a whole lot to complain about. Brian Gutekunst has been able to do whatever he's wanted to as far as a general manager go. The finances are in good order. That is Russ Ball's job. And the Packers have a new head coach, so everything about him remains to be seen. But as I've stated, Jason, with you several times, whether here or on Pulse over at PackersTalk.com, it's not like Brian Gutekunst said, I want to sign Jimmy Graham. Well, Jimmy Graham's a bad example. They signed Jimmy Graham. I want to sign Sammy Watkins. And then Russ Ball goes, nope, we're not signing Sammy Watkins. I don't want to do that. That hasn't happened. At least not to our knowledge, it hasn't happened. Um, And I think that, you know, that goes a long way for a lot of different things. The the Packers have had, again, a lot of success under the previous structure, but a very similar structure to the one they have in place now is in place in Philadelphia. And if you want to argue over the last two years, best team in the NFC – Maybe the entire, well, the best team in the entire NFL over the last two years has been the Patriots, obviously. But after that, best team that's not a complete machine, you can very easily argue that was the Philadelphia Eagles. And they have the same structure. They all report to Howie Roseman. And that's just how it works out there. Now, that doesn't mean it'll work in Green Bay. Here's the other reality of the situation is that Green Bay needs to win. And if they start winning, nobody's going to give a damn about the leadership structure and how they got there. They need to win. That's really what it boils down to. And I think that you're getting the same story, or excuse me, the same sources quoted over and over again because they're not in favor of the structure. And there's a lot of reasons. None of those sources put their name on things for various reasons, and that's okay. But. I think that, you know, there's a lot of things that could go in there. There could be some bitterness over the fact that they didn't get that job and Brian Gutekunst did. There could be some bitterness that they didn't get the promotion and the raise that Russ Ball got when he was promoted uh, to director of football operations. There could be a lot of different things that have gone on. And the reality is when you have internal candidates, and as many as the Packers had, and when they went for... Uh, the the general manager job for those of you guys that remember Russ Ball Brian Gutekunst, and Elliot Wolf all interviewed for that job. There's going to be some hurt feelings. That's just the reality. The Wolves appear to Elliot Wolf wouldn't comment too much, but Ron Wolf has stated uh, he was very critical of the hire, not necessarily of Gutekunst, but he was critical of the idea that it wasn't his son Elliot Wolf. Um, and it hasn't come back to Green Bay for anything other than the ted thompson hall of fame induction which was nice that was great of him to do that um but there's some hurt feelings that come into play and that's just the reality it's business guys uh there's going to be some people that are hurt and they're going to say some things and as far as russ ball goes in there there are people that say he's awesome there's other people that say he's a Deutsche bank my thought on that is a businessman who's a negotiator is going to be a polarizing figure that's just the reality all i really care about with russ ball is is he good at his job and it appears that he's very good at his job that's the start of the front office side of things, and that's my take on that, Jason. You were around, kind of, during the era that I spoke about previously. Not altogether. Um, obviously, you don't remember like vividly the nineteen seventies Green Bay Packers or anything like that. But you remember bits and pieces, and you remember much more vividly than I do. The hire of Ron Wolf. Ron Wolf was hired the year I was born, so I don't remember that at all. Take us through. What are your feelings on? this structure, and some of the stuff that you read in the article.
2: Yeah, anything pre-1986, I'm useless, just to set the record straight, regardless of what Nate's preferred nickname is for me at the beginning of the shows. Uh, we know what the structure is, it was stated clearly for us a year, almost a year and a half ago, when they hired, but when they made, they made all their hires and they let uh, Ted, Ted Tops to step down, and there was a lot of rumblings then about, was this Gonna work. What? Why did it take so long? Everything the Packers do right now is under a microscope of the last year and a half, and a lot of it is is seen very negatively if you're on social media. But just remember, there's a faction of the fan base that loves to arm themselves to fit their narrative of I don't like the structure. I don't like what they've done. They haven't won enough lately. There aren't enough Super Bowls. And so, woe is me at the fan. We gotta let this thing play out. You know that the the more troubling parts of the story we're probably going to get to, which have to do with this new regime and how much, uh, you know, authority and ability to make decisions are they really getting. I think that's more of what I'm interested in and watching more closely. The this, this structure is fine, as far as I'm concerned. You know, when Mark Murphy hired Gutekunst, he clearly laid out what the what the role was going to be and he was also transparent that it's not a pure general manager role like ted had and good knew that and still decided to stay and take the packers job instead of going to houston to interview with the texans so i'm not worried about the structure and the whole thing about russ ball love him or hate him we talked about it before the show You need a guy that doesn't give a you know what if they're going to be negotiating your contracts. You know, it's still a business. The Packers still have to play football games after these high priced veterans leave, after Aaron Rodgers is done playing football, after, you know, all of their studs are no longer at their peak. You can't do that if you don't have the right person looking after the team's finances. I mean, we've, you know, I can't think of. One in particular, but I mean, there have been some teams that have been severely hamstrung because of their cap issues because they just got really greedy and said this year, next year, we're bust. And the last time the Packers were in that situation was—I mean, it's been a really long time. They've been able to to sign guys, or at least try to sign guys. You know, remember players have to decide if they want to play for a team. They haven't—they haven't had to say, "Okay, we can't go out and get player X because we literally don't have the money." so you know I'm not going to get down on Russ Ball if he's a little bit of a you know if he's a little bit of an a-hole I don't know if we can say that on the show but <laughs> I just did um, that's okay because of the role that he that he fills and and I think that the personalities are fine everybody wants to give Mark Murphy a hard time um, and I say everybody obviously it's not everybody the faction you know that that aren't supporters want to give him a hard time but, you know that, that, that happens every time something like this comes out I mean here we are again. It's another piece that comes out with no sources. We're saying it's the same people over and over again. So I guess that means that uh, Jermichael Finley and Greg Jennings came out and spoke about Russ Ball. And, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, I'm joking about that. But, you know, Spoon, Tom Silverstein, affectionately known as Spoon, I, I respect him. I think he does a good job. And, and I said the same thing for Tyler Dunn. And these guys aren't going to put something out there that's just a complete load of crap. You know, they put a lot of work into these things, and I think there's probably some truth to it. But like you said, you know, I mean, these you got guys that left the organization. Um, you know, part of the story was that Ron Wolf isn't really connected to the Packers as much as he was before. His son, you know, well, surprise, surprise, his son didn't get the GM job, and now Ron Wolf spends more time in Cleveland. So that's that's life. You know, what are you going to do when a family member, you know, something happens? You support them. You know, so it's. There is some smoke here, but I'm not convinced that we're talking about a forest fire. I think it's I think it's more
0: of a campfire. And you know that'll change with Ron Wolf when you know if Elliot Wolf, if and when Elliot Wolf gets a general manager job, no matter where it is, I imagine Ron Wolf will be more connected to that. It's his son, obviously. It's not a surprise here, and that's something time will heal that wound. Ron Wolf will be back in the saddle. Everything's going to be fine as far as that goes. You mentioned salary cap situations. Dallas Cowboys, the New Orleans Saints before the last couple years are a couple examples. They just kept kicking the can down the road as far as the salary cap goes. Russ Ball, and you mentioned two names. Russ Ball and Mark Murphy are two of the more polarizing figures as far as, and again, this is just Twitter, so take that for what it's worth. But as far as Twitter goes, those are the two names I see the most often of who people want to criticize And I just, I don't get it. Um, You know, Russ Ball, he's a finance guy. Like, what, and what has he done over the last, I mean, I I know that there's been part of that story that Ball had essentially been doing a lot of Thompson's duties and was part of the reason Micah Hyde and Julius Peppers were allowed to walk. Um, But at the same time, like, that's something that anybody could have done. Like, it was possible that, you know, the GM... If it was somebody other than Ted Thompson uh, Would have done the same thing It's it's very possible that it could have been looked at that way um, And Mark Murphy I just I don't have a strong opinion On Mark Murphy just simply because Now I will say this I will have a strong opinion on Mark Murphy Because if this fails It's his head on the chopping block uh, If this structure fails It is him who will get uh, Chopped He'll be out of Green Bay faster than you can say boo But it's interesting to me that people look, I mean, granted, I know that Murphy doesn't look the part of rough, tough, rugged football player, but like he's been around football his entire life. He was the athletic director of a division one school at Northwestern. I mean, he's more qualified to run a football team than probably at least 25% of the general ma- He's more qualified to run a football team as a general manager than John Lynch or Mike Mayock. The difference being those guys were on TV, so they're likable personalities. He's certainly more qualified for that job than those two, and there's others. I just can't name them all right now, but those are two guys that are examples. Not to defend Mark Murphy, but just I feel like we try and find somebody to not like for when things go wrong so we can blame them, and that's what will happen. If Green Bay goes, you know, one and three to start the season, it'll be, oh, Mark Murphy this and Russ Ball that if they didn't do this and blah, 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 and -and so-and-so and whatever, but again, that's just Twitter. The other part of the story that was interesting was there was some dis- – and, again, I don't know how we came to a concrete opinion on this, but there was some, like, discussion back and forth on whether or not Matt LaFleur was able to bring on his his own assistance and have full say as far as that goes. Now, the report of the Packers lowballing special teams coordinator Darren Rizzi, that had been reported previously. So that part adds up. Uh, But the thought that Matt LaFleur wasn't able to pick who he wanted, he was told who to take as far as his assistants go, that's interesting. Just because one person said he didn't, and then like others, Murphy had his name on there and vehemently denied it and said Matt could pick whoever he wanted as his assistant coaches. So I didn't think that that we were able to get to a consensus as far as that goes. I will say this, if they are telling the coach which assistants to hire – And the other part of the story was the Russ Ball portion here was that guys like James Campen and Joe Witt, senior lieutenants on Mike McCarthy's staff, essentially were shown the door because Russ Ball didn't want him around. If you want to be like a cynic and look through everything, a conspiracy theory very easily could be that Mark Murphy wanted to hire Russ Ball as a general manager. He was reported as the favorite, if you guys remember from a year ago. Murphy got wind that his head coach and his quarterback weren't real wild about that idea, changed and pivoted to Brian Gutekunst and then gave Ball that raise to, you know, still do something for his buddy in this case. And then to turn around, Russ Ball's revenge on Mike McCarthy was that you and everybody associated with you is fired out of here. Done. If you want to be a cynic, you can certainly draw those conclusions. I'm not going to go that far personally, but Jason, I will say this: I am concerned, at least a little bit, on. I think the head coach should have autonomy over his coaching staff. There are times when maybe you know upper leadership should step in and say something. And we don't know that Ted Thompson did or didn't do that uh, with Dom Capers, just for example, as somebody who stuck around a little bit too long here in Green Bay with Mike McCarthy. But for the most part. I mean, I think the head coach should have that. I don't think there was anything concrete in there. Did you? And if you did, how are you feeling about that specific situation? Um,
2: that part is kind of, you know, that part is kind of interesting. It's it's a, again, it's a lot of speculation, and we're not in those in that room, and nobody else is. So it's it's going to be a lot of um, a lot of. He said. He said, and he said, the team's got to get managed somehow. And I, I, I guess I just go back to kind of my main take from all of this, my headline, which is wait, wait it out we'll have to kind of wait and see what uh, what's going to happen. You know, the whole idea that Paul was on a revenge tour of any kind. And, you know, he does have an ego. He does have an attitude. And, and I believe that he probably rubs some people the wrong way. You know, I mean he's been around the game for a long time, it's changed a lot. You know, those types of things are gonna are gonna rear their heads at times. That's okay. I don't have a problem with it. Like I said, you know, you need somebody in the room who's a little gruff and like not willing to you know, it's not a pushover and and is gonna be that voice in the room that's gonna make everybody question and think, Okay, am I doing are we doing the right thing? Is this the right path for us to take? I don't I don't really have any issue with that. Um As as far as the the structure, you know, I think Murphy's created a little bit of a mess um, in that. When do you go back? How do you fix it? When do you change it? You know, do you do you let's say the Packers this year go um, 11 and five and they go too deep in the playoffs. Do you say, okay, fair, good enough. Brian, you're the GM, you're your total control. Uh, over the, you know, you will have you will you will have uh, you will now have Matt Lafleur reporting to you. Russ Ball keeps his title as is, and I'm going to focus more on you know building this thing around Lambeau Field and and uh, you know let's go to town. I don't know, I don't know if that's if that's realistic or if that's going to happen. Um, you said earlier the Packers need to win. They really do. You know, they really do. I was not aware of the fact that you know. It's it's weird for me to say because I was I was a Packers fan when they weren't good, but they weren't awful every year. The problem was they were just middling. They finished eight and eight a lot, and they finished seven and nine. They didn't go to the postseason. But if they have another losing season this year, it's the first time in thirty what thirty five years that that's happened. I mean that's you know that's unprecedented for a lot of the fan base that's only been around during the Favre era. And that that would even turn some heads of those that have have been around since, you know, just post-Lombardi the era. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure going on in in Green Bay right now. There's a lot of rumors about whose head rolls if things don't go well. So, obviously, everyone's very tense and stressed out. Naturally, you're going to have some dissension. That's just kind of how I see it.
0: Yeah, and none of this is going to matter when we're talking in February and the Packers have won the Super Bowl over the New England Patriots, so... It's just not going to be a big deal when that happens. So just so everybody can calm their nerves, listen to me, it's going to be okay. My daughter's going to be here in September, and we're going to raise her right to be a Packers fan, and her first season is going to raise the Lombardi trophy. So so let it be written. So let it be done. That's what's going to happen. Jason, we're going to move on. Like I said, this has kind of been beaten to death. Ultimately, there's a few things I know. One, like you said, the Packers need to win. That's just a fact. This kind of crap doesn't come out over and over and over again about teams that win a lot or it's just not as big of a deal with those teams that do win a lot. Um, So the Packers need to win and with the expected improvement granted I mean it's May 11th right now and it's optimism season but I'm feeling pretty good about this Packers roster at this point in time. I certainly envision them as an NFC North contender at minimum. And if a few things break their way, if you guys develop quickly, all that sort of stuff, Super Bowl contender at maximum. Uh, but we'll talk a lot more about that later on. I wouldn't say that just yet. But I would say I would be shocked if the Packers don't. If we're just going off losing season, I would be shocked if the Packers, barring health of the quarterback, don't win at least nine games uh, next season. But there's a lot that could change between now and then, obviously. that The other thing I know is, one, I said you know Green Bay needs to win. And they need to win big. And the other thing um, that I know is that if they do win, nobody's going to care uh, about any of this stuff. And it'll just it'll be a dead conversation. And the other thing I know, the third thing and final thing is that we have way too much time between the last football game of the season and the first bit of football. The problem with between the draft and for those that want to move the draft up like that, imagine how much more time we have without stuff for football, and how many things like this will come out. If we don't have the draft until April, we're still a good two-and-a-half months away before training camp was announced. It's going to open, I believe, July 25th uh, is when the Packers will be there under their new head coach, Matt LaFleur. So that'll be interesting um, to check out. Jason, the other thing that is possible is June 1st is coming, so that's going to have some June 1st cuts. Obviously, that's something. Green Bay could be, I think, under Brian Gutekunst, you can feel pretty good about the fact that the Packers are always looking to improve their roster maybe leaving i'm not saying ted thompson didn't unturn every single stone when he was the general manager but i don't know how hard he looked once the stone was open my wife always says i look for things quote unquote like a typical boy and that's pretty factual (laughs) um for self-scouting purposes there but you know it's like you pick up something under the table you look there you glance for a second you move on like oh nope nothing there sure enough she finds it later. Uh, Maybe Ted Thompson did something similar to that. Uh, That's certainly possible. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I'm saying this to say Green Bay has used every avenue of player acquisition since Gutekunst has been in charge. They've traded, they've drafted, uh, they tried restricted free agency with Kyle Fuller. I'm still pretty thankful that didn't work out. Um, Now it's getting to the point where a couple players have been released and One popular name on Twitter pretty quickly was Doug Baldwin. For those that are on the Doug Baldwin train, let me just tell you, the Seahawks cut him because his career is probably over. Um, And if if he could get healthy, I'm sure they would have given him every opportunity to do that. So Doug Baldwin's not going to play for Green Bay. But Jason, are there any guys, or if you don't have specific guys, maybe position that they should look at or you feel they should look at between now and the start of training camp because like for example this wasn't exactly reporting but pro football focus linked Pierre Garcon to Green Bay a veteran wide receiver Uh, my thought on that is if you were going to do the wide receiver thing you either needed to be in the market for one of the big free agents like John Brown which I'm thankful they didn't do that contract or drafting somebody in the first 50 picks they decided not to do that they decided to build their team in the trenches, and I can't really argue too much with that. But is there a position, Jason, or maybe a guy specifically that is still available? The compensatory pick formula is over. So any guy signed now will not count towards the compensatory pick formula for next year. I don't know how much Green Bay cares about that anymore now that Ted's not around, but it's possible that they do. Is there anybody that you see or any position you see that you're like, man, I hope they can find somebody in that spot?
2: No specific guys right now. If there's a position, it's maybe corner, but there aren't any corners out there. Just to add some quality depth, because Kadar Hallman don't don't know what he's going to be in the pros. Some of the younger corners are, are maybe a little bit iffy. That's the only position group right now where I'm like, eh, you know, I'm okay at wide receiver. I think they need to, like I said before we started this year, this is the time to see what you have in the room. So if you bring somebody in right now. You're taking away opportunities to see what you have, what you've built, and that's the job of Budikunst and the scouting team is to build talent and fill this roster with depth. You know, they go out and sign an offensive lineman. You're taking snaps away from, you know, um, Jenkins, from Madison, from Cole Madison. It's, it's just – it's not a great formula. I mean, fortunately right now there aren't a lot of holes on this roster because – the holes that they had, which you should fill with reliable talent, were addressed in free agency for once and for all. So I feel good. I feel good about where the team is at. If they want to entertain and look at somebody, like if they want to bring a Pierre Garçon in, like I said before, that means that somebody has underwhelmed, and that's not great for the development and the selection process in the wide receiver room. Uh, and if they do that, hopefully they're doing so at an extremely fiscal price, because wide receivers in free agency to me are positions uh, is a position where a lot of teams can get locked up and really um stuck with regards to contracts and money and that's not something i want to see the packers start to to delve into
0: yeah it seems pretty rare that i mean Allen robinson had an okay year for the bears sammy watkins wasn't anything special those are two of the big names from previous years i mean it's the reality is, if a receiver is really good, he gets locked up. It's like trying to sign, you know, next-level pass rusher. Like, the Packers signed two pretty good pass rushers and the Smith brothers in free agency, but they didn't sign, you know, Von Miller or somebody like that. Those guys never get to the free agent market. Me, I'm with you on the receiver spot. Like I said, you know, I think I said before I kicked it to you that I think that if Green Bay was going to pick a receiver, you address it in the first fifty picks, or you sign a big time player. At this point, I don't think there's anybody that's going to help you if your receiver core is going to be good in 2019. It's going to be because two of MVS EQ Jamon Moore, Geronimo Allison emerge as you know some next level playmakers uh, alongside Devontae Adams. Obviously, that's just receivers. Me, as far as specific guys, as somebody who enjoys entertainment. And Damakong Sue would be interesting. I don't know if he fits on the roster just because there's so many things they're going to do with those outside linebackers. Uh, Rashawn Gary, both of the Smiths kicking them inside. Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark. I mean, is is Sue okay coming to Green Bay and essentially being a backup? I mean, that's that's another – hard part he would be really good for the pass rushing thought I just don't know if that's something he would do and I don't know if the the price can be right as far as that goes one name to keep an eye on as a June 1st cut and I'm somebody I I don't I don't love Deshaun Kaiser I think the backup quarterback position is overrated is the wrong word but you know we've seen it in Green Bay. The you know the last couple times that Rodgers has gone down, that they can't even function as an offense without him. You know, 2013 they had a disaster. Uh, last year with Brett Hunley, this past year with Deshaun Kaiser certainly didn't inspire any confidence. But Colt McCoy is a name in in Washington where they have Alex Smith's contract. Dwayne Haskins was a first round pick, and Case Keenum was brought in. Uh, To be either a bridge starter or a starting quarterback. We're not quite sure yet. But he's making quite a bit of money uh, on Washington, and they probably need to save some cap space in the quarterback room. So it's possible that he would be a cut. That's somebody I wouldn't mind bringing in as competition for Kaiser. I've made this clear on Twitter. I don't think that there's a real competition between Tim Boyle and. uh, Tim Boyle and. Deshaun Kaiser. I think that um, you know that Boyle is a nice player. Uh, he does some nice things in the preseason and throws up some YOLO balls and plays with, as my good friend Mr. Matub likes to uh, put it, BDE. And I'll let him explain to you what that all means. I thought that was funny, and um, I, I just don't see that as as a possibility there. Um, I think that. Green Bay has a pretty good roster at this point. It's been an impressive offseason. Obviously, there are some things that got to work out. The Smiths got to be effective in rushing the passer. Rashawn Gary's got to be good. Darnell Savage, I think, can transform this entire defense. And I wrote about that on Dairyland Express if you guys want to check that out. Him being good changes so many things for this Packers defense. If not even good, just reliable early in in the early going of his career. I'm very excited for this rookie class. I think there's some good players potentially added to the back end of this roster, but it all you know, hinges on they drafted. Now they have to develop these guys, and they signed the free agents. Those guys got to come through, and Green Bay's got a lot of things to work on here between now and July 25th when they start training camp. So That's going to do it for this edition of Pack-A-Day. Be sure to check out the show on your favorite podcast platform. I also would like to say that I know I've made some remarks in the past about uh, wireless headphones and how I think they're a waste of money. Now, I did not buy the AirPods, uh, the $190 Apple product or whatever it is that they cost, but I did buy some from Amazon that do not have the cord. And I would like to apologize to anybody uh, that I hurt through my opinions Uh, on the wireless versus wired headphones. I love them. Uh, (laughs) Everything about them is great. And even better, at work, they don't notice that I have a headphone in because there's not a giant wire sticking out of it. So that's been helpful, too. Uh, Of course, my boss listens to this podcast. I suppose they know now, don't they? Um, So sorry. Uh, But anyways, yeah, I would like to apologize for that to anybody I hurt in this process. uh, Be sure to check out the show. It's at Packaday Podcast. Follow them on Twitter. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff throughout this offseason, 24-7, 365 uh, podcast. So a lot of stuff to talk about between now and training camp as far as how the Packers go and what their plans are and everything of of that sort. So it's exciting times in Green Bay. It's almost football season. We're getting there, getting to that point. We're almost midway through May. So you're getting through, you know, one of those corners you want to turn. You can follow Jason, my partner tonight. He's at Jason Peroni. You can follow me. I am at Jacob Westendorf. Send me your tweets, comments, questions, concerns, all that kind of fun stuff for Packers-related, baseball-related, life in general. I'll talk to you guys about whatever, to be honest with you. So thank you guys for listening to the show. And as always, Go Pack Go!
1: Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come, Rodgers looking, throws left side of the The end zone, zone. here it is, touchdowns, Devontae Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers, 16-yard touchdown pass, the Packers an extra point, away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking. As yes, he throws it deep down the right sideline, and Intercepted on the play! Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Samson Rogers looking right, throws the right side thing. 6'5 of his frame tumbled out of bounds inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side to oh, the got it out of bounds inside the 10-yard line. Oh my goodness, what a throw and catch! Again they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Yes, yes. Mason Mason me. Delivers the dagger. More. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight, and the Packers win 33 to 30.